Father, please open the eyes of our hearts. Please open our minds to your truth. I pray right now, Lord God, that you, as you use me again, Father, please anoint me, your unworthy servant. Continue to use me as your mouthpiece for your message. We ask for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to teach and guide us. Let you and you alone speak to your people, Father. And I pray for that soul, Lord God, that needs to surrender their lives to you. I pray, Father, this will be that this will be the evening that they will do so. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Uh, Gianna, can I please have the clicker? I forgot. Um, thanks. Okay, I entitled our message tonight, It is a Gift of God. A gift of God. So as we continue to study in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, um, I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying it. I'm having a, a, a lot of, I'm enjoying it a whole lot. I'm having a lot of fun with it. So we're probably going to be stuck here in, in chapter 2 for a while. <laughs> it is the gift of God. This is the verse that is ending in verse 8, where it says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So what's the gift? What's the gift? What's the it? Right? What's the gift? So the gift that it says there is grace. And with grace, we have salvation. And then with that, because we have faith. So what's the it? The it, the, the it is God's gift. The it is faith. Because without faith, we won't have grace. And without grace, we won't be saved. So the gift of God is faith. You know, in Hebrews 11.6, it reads, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So faith is crucial. Amen? But then, did you realize, pretty sure most of you have realized, did you realize that that faith is a gift from God? You know, we've been discussing, we discussed it last week, and we discussed it in, 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 in um, our Christmas time, our Christmas message, that we were dead in our trespasses, that we were all spiritually dead, that there was no, there was no way that we would want God. The Bible says no one seeks God. Right? So what this is this is the verses why faith is a gift. In Ephesians 2 1, which was we studied last week, and you he made alive. Remember? If you missed it, it's 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 in there. It's on YouTube. It's on their members page. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Again. I'll remind you that the sins are the, the acts or the deeds that we have done that is against God's will. If we do those and we didn't know about it, then we sinned against God. It doesn't matter if you didn't know about it. If you did something that is against God's will, you have sinned. Trespass, trespass is it's knowing that you weren't supposed to do it, yet you still chose to sin. Now you're trespassing. In, look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
So if we are dead, spiritually dead, then we cannot discern anything spiritually. Correct? Okay. Three people. That's fine. Three people. Three is good. Colossians 3.13. Paul again says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. So there's, there's, there's no way, there's no way that anybody can just have faith if God did not give that faith to them. It's true for everyone. You can argue with it, but it's in the Bible. The faith, it is a gift of God. When you read that it is a gift of God, faith, your faith in Him is His gift. Because of your faith in Him, then you have grace. Because of that grace, then we are saved. Romans 3.11 reads, There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. So if, that, if these are all true, written by the Apostle Paul, we can say that praise Him. We should be grateful. We should be praising Him. We should be humbled and we should be grateful that God made us alive and He has given us the gift of faith. Now, isn't that, isn't that crazy? Because, I mean, we live in a world, we live in a country that has taught us, a society that has taught us that anything what we want, we get. Anything that happens in our lives is, is because we decided to do it. We are the captains of our ship. Right? We decide our destiny. So the objections, naturally, from people is they'll say this. Isn't it? Isn't my faith my faith? Implying that isn't that my decision? Isn't me having faith my decision? And then the second objection, and then and if it's not, then what is my part? What is my part? The first point, if, it, if you're saying, isn't my faith my faith? The Bible reveals to us the answer is no. God's word says no. The Bible, through the Apostle Paul, God's instrument to teach us the new purpose of God after Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. What's the new reason? What's the new purpose for Christianity? It's the church. The birth of the church started when Jesus resurrected from the dead. And the Apostle Paul is very crucial. He wrote most of the New, Test New Testament. And he's saying there, all those verses that we read are all from the Apostle Paul. So the answer is no. No. That even the faith that it took to be saved is not of ourselves. Why? Because dead men don't have faith. Have you, have you had a call from your dead friend lately? Have they sent you a text saying, I miss you, dude? No. No, I haven't. I had a couple friends who've already passed. and No, they haven't emailed me or called me. Because dead people can't do anything. Dead people can't feel anything. If that is true in this, the physical realm, we've discussed it. Why won't it be true in the spiritual realm? People, dead people can't think anything much more. Decide. 
decide to, hmm, let me think. I think I need God today. You know, if you were searching, if you started searching Him during the time that you were searching God, guess what? That is from God. Because He's he prompted you. He has sent the Holy Spirit to prompt your heart. Make an impression in your heart and your mind. You start searching. You start, you were thirsty and hungry for His Word. You couldn't pinpoint it because you were never like that. But at this time, it's because God has gifted you. He gifted you. That, that wanting is from Him. The second objection. And what part did I have in my salvation? None. Zero. Nada. You're welcome. You had no part. You were chosen. We are chosen. We are elected. Now I know. We've said this before, right? Most of the time, Filipinos don't want to listen to other Filipinos until we quote a white guy. <laughs> now here's Pastor John Corson. Pastor John Corson, you were elected before the foundation of the world. In the faith you finally exercised to receive Jesus Christ was faith that God himself put in your heart. That is why Jesus declared, No man can come unto me except the Father draws him. John 6, 44. The entire orb, or the entire circle, the entire area of salvation is totally due to God's grace. We become worshipers now and eternally because His work in us and for us is truly amazing. Amen. Would you like to close in prayer now? And I leave you all confused. Is this the best part to close? We've been talking about it because, you know, you will see a lot of it. We see, we saw a lot of it in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Chapter first 1, 2, and 3, chapters 1, 2, and 3 discusses a lot about our position with God in, in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, 5, and 6 discusses about our relational. So 1, 2, and 3, we will be discussing this repeatedly until we get it. Hopefully you've got it last week and you're bored now. But here, here's, here's some verses to just show you. Because we have to, we, we believe that the Bible is God's word. Amen? And then the Bible has no error. The things that were mentioned in the Old Testament, some of those things were canceled in the New Testament. So those things that were canceled in the New Testament, we no longer do. We no longer believe. But the things that were never canceled, we continue to believe. Correct? John 6, 44, we read that earlier. This is the, the, this is the contemporary English version. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me makes them want to come. It was God that made you want to come to Him. It was God that made us want Him and need Him or even think about Him. Some of us, because our lives became difficult. In our lowest moments, we started looking for God. Praise God. Right? Because the most important thing, which is the relationship with Him, happened because of our pain. Correct? Did you know about the, the there's a syndrome, there's a medical condition called CIPA. C-I-P-A. That's the, that's the acronym. But it, it, it's that, it, it basically is, there is there, people with, with CIPA makes people not feel pain. 
those are the people that do not feel pain. So whether, it, look, look, mind you, even if they don't feel pain, it doesn't mean they're not getting hurt. If they step on a nail that's full of rust, they won't feel the pain, but they will die from it. If they put their hand on, on top of a flame or on the flame or getting it burned, they're not feeling the pain, but they're burning. So there is a mother whose daughter is experiencing that medical condition and her prayer, they're so cautious and so vigilant and whenever she plays soccer or, or she, whenever she does something because she, she could be internally bleeding or she could be bleeding and she won't feel it. So her prayer to God is, I pray that my God will give her the sense of pain. So for those of us who surrendered our lives to Christ because of the pain that we were going through, praise God. Because of that pain, you started feeling your need for God. Because it's true. When life is good, who needs God, right? We got money, we got health, we got love, we got recognition, we have everything. We prayed for, prayed for to the genie, the magic powers. So pain. For some of us, we surrendered our lives to, to Christ because of the emptiness of the success. We became successful, but then we said, is this really it? Is this all that life can really give? And then we start searching for somebody higher, something that is not so shallow. Praise God for that. Here's another verse, Acts 13, 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. All who were chosen for eternal life became believers. That's in Acts, the most purest form of church. If you want to see how powerful the church is, if we're truly surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit, read the book of Acts. And here, this is the testimony. This is on record. This is by Luke. And in Romans 8, 7, 8, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, God's laws, and it will never, it, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Much more develop faith. Much more develop faith. They can't because God hasn't chosen them. If God gives you the faith, that's the only time. That's the only time you'll be alive. Election is the act of God whereby in eternity past, He chose those who will be saved. Election is unconditional. Because it does not depend on anything outside of God, such as good works or foreseen faith. Read Romans 9.16. This doctrine is repeatedly taught in the Bible and is also demanded by our knowledge of God. There are many biblical evidence. The Bible says prior to salvation, all people are dead in sin, spiritually dead. Read again Ephesians 2.1.3. In this state of death, the sinner is utterly unable to respond to any spiritual stimulus. Not the stimulus you got. The stimulus, and therefore unable to love God. I was like, oh yeah, I got that. Obey Him, or please Him in any way. 
There's no way that we can obey Him, please Him. We can't even love God if you are spiritually dead. Scripture says the mind of every unbeliever is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The effect of all this is that no sinner, no sinner can, make, can ever make the first move in the salvation process. This is what Jesus meant in John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Can you be more grateful to God after knowing this, church? I think we surrender the truth that if, if we had an idea that it was us in the first place, we read these verses, God reveals it to us, and then he says, I chose you, you didn't choose me. What's your reaction there? Isn't it, well, that's not fair. I wanted to make the decision. I'm American. God knows I'm smart. There's no way that I needed his help on this one. No, the Bible shows. How about Romans? Romans 9, 9. We're going to be reading a lot in Romans because Romans is the book of doctrine. Okay? There's a lot of doctrines in Romans. If you want to be, if you want to get muscular in your faith, read Romans. Romans 9, 19 to 26 reads, One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Seriously. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and for, for some common use? What, what Paul is referring here is, during their time, they're pottery makers, right? And some, when, what he means here is for special purposes, the ones that they make for, for cooking, for flowers, for, for anything that is nice. The common use are the pots that are used for to do your number one and your number two. Okay. If you don't know what number one and number two is, there's a Filipino right next to your left or right. You ask them. They will know. Right? Do, do, do the created things get to argue with the creator? No. But human beings, we're good to argue with our creator. Right? Why did you make me Filipino, Lord? It's so hard to be Filipino. Nobody respects you. Even your co-Filipinos, your fellow Filipinos, do not respect you. Right? Only me, 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 only me. Right? We can't argue, we, but we do. Think about this. Did you have a choice of becoming Filipino? Answer is no. No, I, did, I didn't. Or whatever your nationality is. Did you have a choice when your parents were going to be? No. No. No, you didn't. Right? Because if, if you could have, you probably would have chosen someone else. And then same with your parents. If they could choose who their kid is, they would have not chosen you. Which brings me to the next point. Adoption. 
the adoption process. Do the kids that are needing adoption, do they get to choose who their parents are? Whoever walks in there, oh, I want to be, those are the parents I want. No, the parents that want to adopt the children gets to choose. So why would it be different when it comes to spiritual matters? Why? Because of free will. People are confused with the free will. If we are the sons of disobedience, what free will do you have? Because if everything that you do is not according to His will, that nothing that you do is pleasing to Him, what of your free will leads you to God? Nada. Zero. Because everything that, that an unbeliever does is unpleasing to God. There is nothing that they do that is pleasing to Him. So praise God if you have accepted God. You praise Him all the more now, knowing this truth, that from the very beginning, it was Him. From the very start, it was His decision. Now if you're going to be honest, you're gonna, your question should not be, well, that's not fair, because how about the other ones? That should, you shouldn't worry about that. You know what you should say? That's not fair. Why would he choose me? That's not what, that's the unfair thing. Because between me and my brother, I have a, a younger brother. Between me and my brother, he's the better person to be a Christian. He's a, he's a gooder kid than me. <laughs> I told you, English is my point. My best client. <laughs> He's the better kid. He's the better person than me. Verse 22. Look at verse 22. What if God, although choosing to show His wrath and make His power known, bore with great patience the objects of His wrath prepared for destruction? What if He did this to make the riches of His glory known to the objects of His mercy, whom He prepared in advance for glory? Even us, whom he had also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As he says in Hosea, well, that's wrong. <laughs> As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loved one, who is not my loved one. The point of this is, there are people, there are people that are not chosen, and they would experience the wrath of God from this life and to the next. They will experience God's wrath. But that is just true for us to realize that we were spared from that. Those of us who were chosen, we were spared from that, from that punishment. And before you say, again, that's not fair, Joe. That's not fair. Because God... Because God is a loving God. I bring you to Revelation 9, 20 to 21. This is when, when God sends the plagues at the end of the world, right? After the rapture, after we're all taken, the people of God will be taken up in the air, and then the rapture happens, the plagues happen, the plagues will happen. Look at this. But the rest of the men of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. They, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, 
which can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent for their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Do you believe or you have to realize that the people that choose not to be with God, they could care less even when they're in hell. Are you imagining? Do you think that when they're burning in hell, they're going to say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, I've changed my mind. They're not. They're going to continue to curse God while they're burning. If you read the book of Revelations again, as the plagues were happening, instead of turning their hearts to God, you know what they're going to say? Have these mountains fall on us. Kill us now. Why even make me suffer? Bring me to hell. Bring me to hell now. Because their hearts aren't going to turn. They're not going to change. We, bring, we, we think about Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh. You would think after the second... Okay, first, fine. You know, the first plague, he'll probably say, ha, minimalist lang, you know. We're just, it's just we're having some bad luck here. We're still the strongest country in, in the world. Second plague. Hmm. But after the third plague? No, but this dude needed seven, right? Needed, needed seven, eight, nine, and ten. And he still did not submit to the God. The God of the universe. So I tell you, is it really God who's the problem? Was it really us? Was it really the person that will not surrender to the Lord? If you have tried to share the gospel before, or if you ever tried to share the gospel, don't you find it strange that you share the same verses, the same gospel, the same good news to different people? And don't you find it strange that they have different responses? Some will laugh at you. Some will just, yeah, continue to make fun of you, mock you. But some will accept it. They will say, this is what my soul needs today. I have been searching. Right? Different, different reactions. Same verses. Why? Because it is God. It is God that, that brings that from the initial point, the, from the very beginning to have that faith, and then with that faith, then they receive grace. And with that grace, they receive salvation, just like us. If God's choice of the elect is unconditional, does this rule out human responsibility? Paul asks and answers that very question in Romans 9, 19-20. He says, God's choice of the elect is an act of mercy. Left to themselves, even the elect would persist in sin and be lost because they are taken from the same fallen lump of clay as the rest of the society, humanity. God alone is responsible for, hit, for our salvation. But does, that does not eradicate the responsibility of those who persist in sin and are lost because they do it willfully and not under compulsion. They are responsible for their sin, not God. What does God need to do? Again, come down again and die on the cross again to prove to us, speak to you in person, 
No, some people have told me that as I shared the gospel. They go, the only way I will listen to what you're telling me is if God appears in front of me right now. And I said, you're probably doing drugs again. <laughs> but God is, God is around us. Just look up in the sky, right? Heavens, go. If you're enjoying nature, you'll see God's work there. And then if you're married, you could probably see God's love or God's wrath. <laughs> the Bible affirms human responsibility alongside the doctrine of divine sovereignty. God does not need anyone's permission. Did you think he needed your permission? No. Moreover, the offer of mercy in the gospel ex extended to all. It's available to all. Isaiah 55.1 and Revelation 22.17 call whosoever will. That's the verse on both, on both of those verses. That's what said. Whosoever will to be saved. Isaiah 45.22 and Acts 17.30 reads, Command all men to turn to God. Repent and be saved. That's for all men. That charge goes for all human beings. 1 Timothy 2.4 and 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but desires that all should be saved. Finally, the Lord Jesus said that one, the one that comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. John 6.37 God's sovereign choice. Remember Jacob and Esau? Paul brings us there in Romans 9, 10 to 15. Even before they were born, God said, Jacob I love, Esau I hated. That's in, that's in Genesis. So folks, when you want to know when you when you start thinking that it's it's because of you who's gonna make your life right now as a Christian, if you start thinking that it's all gonna be up to you for your life to be better, it's all gonna be up to you so your walk will be better. You're depending on your strength again because you have forgotten that it is God. It is God from the very beginning, it will be God all the way to the end. I don't know about you, but for me that's a relief. Because if it were up to me, I will fail. Whenever I take it upon me, I fail. Day in and day out. Minute by minute, second after second. Now God said this. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Amen? He's not God if he needs our permission. God does not need an American's permission. Yes, you are free. You live in the land of the free. We are. We live in a great country that gives us freedom. Yes, we can hold our own opinions. But when it comes to salvation, it is God's decision. And if you were one of the chosen ones, if you are one of the chosen ones, you praise Him because it was 
his decision. Oh man, praise God. Because that's the truth. I don't know. This doctrine really is a, a fresh cup of water for me. In a very thirsty land. Right? It reminds me of the story of the Filipino, the Italian, and the American. Oh no, here we go. Okay. All right. Let me put it back slowly in my pocket. This is this. He's a he's a pastor, and he wrote books. He's a, a commentator. He he uh, wrote the commentary about the book of Ezekiel. Um, he said this: those who are passed over by God will never complain that God is being unfair. Left to themselves, they have no desire to be chosen. But the problem is like what Ruth said, sometimes the persecution comes from the church itself. Us who are saved, we argue that we made the choice, not God. We make it a problem. Why do we make it a problem? If it's God's decision and God is all-knowing, what's the problem? If we say we're fallen creatures and God's a perfect being, what's the problem if He made the decision? I really don't understand. Maybe I'm just simple-minded. But this is the verse here. Romans 9, 26. In, in the same way, even though God has the right to show His anger and His power, He is very patient with those on whom His anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of His glory shine even brighter. On those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected. If you surrendered your life to Christ, you are chosen. Both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. What do you do with this truth, folks? I tell you what we do to this truth. We become more grateful every day our gratitude to god must be more than it has to increase it can't be it can't decrease it has to increase because even the faith from the very beginning step one was because of him and then even the last step is because of him so if you've been a failure all your life praise god you're a christian now you probably still continue to fail but god will see you through now, what's his reason? His reason is that those who are chosen will appreciate the fact that he chose us. And mind you, he is very patient. When did you accept Christ? How old were you when you accepted Christ? Praise God that you didn't die before that day. Amen? So I agree. We all agree. God is very patient. After all the, the stupid things that I've done, 
He didn't take me yet at that point. He waited and waited and waited and then he saved me back in 2001. And he's still very patient with me because I still, I was still very stupid. I'm still very stupid. Not as stupider before. <laughs> Again, with my English class, with my classmate here. How about this one? Concerning the Gentiles, God says this in Hosea. Those who were not my people, I will now call my people. See, if God stayed with his, even choosing Israel was God's choice. Remember, we used that, we studied that last week. And then now, because of his choice, because of God's choice, he extended his grace to the Gentiles, which is us, Gentiles. Now, they, we can call him. We get to be called His people. And I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, You are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Children of the living God. You guys know Hosea, right? Hosea is the priest that God used to deliver His message to the people of Israel. Hosea was the guy that God told to marry a prostitute named Gomer. Gomer, the prostitute, continued to cheat on Hosea, the priest of God. When your spouse cheats on you, the shame falls on you. Correct? The shame falls on both of you. Because you became one when you, be when you guys got married. You became one. So when one spouse is unfaithful, Right? Both of you gets the shame. And God's command to Hosea, his priest, go back to Gomer. Go take her. Over and over and over again. Not once, not twice, not three times. Many times, Gomer kept going back to her lifestyle. Gomer was such the... She was so used up. I know I remember, I discussed this before. She was so used up that if, if when was if you were picturing her in, in, a, in a prostitute lineup, she would be in the 60% or 80% discount rack. And God told Hosea, go get her again. And Hosea kept saying, it's just like God telling us. It's just like God to us. No matter how cheap of a prostitute we are already, because we got so used up with our sin, God keeps saying, I want you. I want you. It's you I want. I'm choosing you. No matter how filthy, how old, how dirty, I want you. That's God's choice. That's God's sovereign choice. That's, that's what happened with us, with our salvation. God said, I want you. It's you I want. I get it. You're sinful. I know you hurt me. You've hurt me and many people. But I want you. I want you. The doctrine of election should breed humility, gratitude. And then it should give birth to love. Love to God. We should, it should, isn't that the result? It 
should humble us because no matter how good we think we are, God said, you're not good enough. You need me. Or no matter how bad we are, God said, it's okay. I still love you. And that should breed gratitude. Whether you think you were up or you were down in the moral standards, God said, nope and nope. So you say, thank you, Lord. And then humility and gratitude should equivalent to love. Love for God. And our love for God should breed what? Obedience to His commands. Obedience to His commands. Our lives should be lived for Him. Knowing the truth of us being chosen should make us constantly be thankful and humbled. Our question, our question shouldn't be, why will He not choose the other ones? Our question should be, why did you choose me? Knowing that we should, knowing that truth should make us constantly live in gratitude, in humility, in love, and in obedience. Remember Genesis, in Genesis, Noah? Remember that, the flood? Probably, right? You know, in Genesis 6, 8, before Noah obeyed God to build the ark, in Genesis 6, 8, it reads, But Noah found favor with the Lord. Even before anything was done by Noah, Noah found favor in the Lord. And then in Genesis 6, Genesis 6 18, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Eight people were chosen to be in the ark. Eight people. Now, point to me when you go home and then email me. Show me in Genesis 6 where there were verses where people were swimming to the ark. And they were knocking. And Noah was hitting them with the shovel and saying, No, you're not welcome. Nobody, nobody fought to get in the ark. Nobody fought to be in the ark. Nobody, nobody was, nobody accepted it. Did you think Noah, with all those years, were telling him what God was going to do? Yes. Because they were making fun of him. What the heck is wrong with this guy? There's no rain. There's no flood. How, why are you digging such a, that's a big boat. What is wrong with you? God is not coming back. Isn't that what we hear now? There is no God. Somebody, an actress said, or a comedian said, she really is a comedian because she said, there's no hell, I guarantee it. Wow. <laughs> she can guarantee things. Listen to her. There, have fun now. There's no God. Have fun now. Really? There's no consequences. God is only God of love. Everybody will go to heaven. Really? Really? If God is a God of love, why was there a need for Jesus to suffer on the cross the way he did? You know, God's love and God's justice, God's love and God's wrath came together in the crucifixion. So before you water it down, I warn you, my brothers and my sisters, when you water down the gospel, 
because you just want them to accept Jesus and you water down the wrath of God, you're not giving the whole picture. You're giving a half-truth. You give them the full thing. You know, in summary, we can say that God has had a special love relationship with the elect from all eternity. And on the basis of that love relationship, chosen them for salvation. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm just amazed with that. I'm astonished. From the very beginning, God chose me. The ultimate question of why God chose some for salvation and left others in their sinful state is that is one that we, with our finite knowledge, cannot answer. We can't. We do know that God's attributes always are in perfect harmony with each other. So that God's sovereignty will always operate in perfect harmony with His goodness, with His love, with His wisdom, and His justice. He chose us to have faith in Him. With that faith in Him, we are given His grace. With that grace, we have salvation for our sins and have gained eternal life. What an amazing truth. What an amazing God we have. What a privilege it is for being chosen by Him. What can I do? What can we do to show our gratitude for such a humbling, humbling truth? That should be our question. He chose me. He loved me. He guaranteed my salvation. What, what can I do? Simple. To live as a living sacrifice. Right? To live in obedience out of the love that He has given us. Our love for Him will give birth to obedience. Praise God. So next week, next Sunday, we'll discuss 8 and 9. <laughs> we discussed 8 today. We're going to discuss 9 and 10. Let's close in prayer. As this truth of you, Lord God, choosing us is repeated in your holy word, I am always left with the big question, Lord God, why me? And by your word, you answer me that you have chosen me before the foundations of the world. I am astonished. I am grateful. I am sincerely and wholeheartedly grateful for that truth. Because of you choosing me, you also enabled me to have faith in you. And that faith in you gave me your forgiveness and your grace. And with that grace, you have given me salvation for my sins. And have given me the gift of salvation. I am forever grateful. Help us, Lord God, to live for you. Help us, Lord God, to remember this and live for you. Help us, Lord God, for this to be true. Help us, Lord God, to stop sinning against you. Help us, Lord God, to be aware of your love for us. And Lord, let that give birth for us to love you in return. In your son's holy and mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.